Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan Carpenter. Hello. Fred Owens. Hi there. And, guys, we are less than a month out from the season ending, uh, and I'm already trying to find Winter League Baseball somewhere on the Internet. I'm already missing the season. We already got a shortened, truncated version of it, uh, and so I feel like there's still a void there. So, I'm trying to find any baseball out there that that I can watch. Uh, I'm already uh, excited for the next season, although we still don't really know what that's going to look like. But uh, I'm already missing baseball and ready for it to be back. But there's been a good bit of news going on still in the baseball world. Not so much signings or trades or any of that, but been awards week and Uh, the last couple of weeks. And just today, as we record this on Thursday, Freddie Freeman was announced as the NL MVP winner. Um, Not much of a surprise to us. It it would have been a shock had he not won uh, with the season that he had and and really just everything that he went through, getting held back at the beginning of the year because of COVID and then, you know, being kind of slow out of the gate, maybe as a result of that. Then really just carrying this Braves team to another division title and taking them to the, the NLCS. You know, last year he got a lot of heat because he wasn't very good in the postseason, you know, possibly dealing with elbow issue. And he had some, some pretty big moments in the playoffs for the Braves, uh, this season. So I was glad to see that for Freddie. Glad to finally see him get that MVP award, even if it wasn't a short season. I'm not going to look at it any differently. It's not like this is some guy that came out of the woodworks and had a good couple of months and, you know, stole an MVP. I mean, he's been, you know, in the the top five a couple of times now in the MVP voting. He's definitely somebody that's MVP worthy. Um, So I'm glad to see him finally uh, take home uh, that award and really just kind of cement his legacy. Uh, And hopefully it – Starts the the talks now for for an extension for him to be uh, with the Braves throughout his career, but 
Uh, Alan, what are your your thoughts on Freddie taking home that MVP? No longer underrated, no longer overlooked. He is definitely getting his due for having a consistent performing season every year, it seems. And I was just wondering this morning, you know, we had a couple of years overlap with Chipper Jones and Freddie Freeman uh, as one of them was riding off into the sunset and the next one was coming onto the scene. And boy, I, I would love to have had both those guys in their prime at the same time. Uh, and, and to some extent, you could say we saw that this year with Freeman and, and Ozuna then back to back or, or, you know, Acuna and, and Freeman and, and Ozuna on the lineup together. What a dynamic trio that, that group formed at the top of the lineup and, and gave us essentially the, the best Braves offense that we've seen in, I don't know how long, if if not ever. Freddie is, I mean, he had a 186 OPS plus this year. Now, that's spectacular, but what it really means is that he took whatever his game has been, which has been an average of about 130 to 150 over his career, and raised it yet to another level. Would it have lasted for an entire 160-game season? I don't know. There's no good way to know that. He, he has tended to wear down. He's tended to have some nagging injuries here and there. Who knows if anything like that would have cropped up. But it was great to see for the season we had a healthy Freddie Freeman for the vast majority of it, and we could see what he could do under those circumstances. And I'm just thrilled for him that uh, he was nearly a unanimous selection, and it was great to see that. A lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of announcers are, are recognizing the, the good things that he does day in and day out. And, I mean, every team should have a Freddie Freeman. <laughs> There's no doubt about that uh, because you've got to have guys like that on your team who are the leaders offensively, defensively, clubhouse, who can share their presence and make an example that uh, young players can follow. It's good for the Braves, good for baseball, and glad to see it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing you mentioned there, Alan, is that we finally got to see a healthy Freddie Freeman. And, and Fred, that's kind of one thing we talked about before the the season was supposed to begin, you know, back in March, is that Freddie finally got that elbow cleaned up. He said it had been bothering him for like nine years, uh, I think was, was what he said. And, you know, we finally thought maybe we'd get a full season of Freddie Freeman to see what he's capable of doing. Uh, and then he starts the year um, with COVID, and, and I think that slowed him down. He didn't really have the power, you know, really for the first month there. I remember writing an article at the, the you know, the end of August of what Freddie needed to do to win the MVP. And I said, you know, he's pretty much got to hit close to, to 10 home runs uh, in September. And, and I think he nearly did that. Um you know, to, to get, boost those numbers up. So, Fred, it was just really outstanding, you know, seeing what, what Freddie did, the season that he had. Uh, and like Alan said, just really happy for him to get that on the on a big stage and just be recognized like this to the rest of baseball because we know how great he is, what how great of a person he is. Yeah, the rest of the league, you know, they the big cities, uh, and this is not an East Coast bias or West Coast bias thing. This is big cities, big populations. Big press, uh, you know, they, they circle around Goldschmidt, they circle around Rizzo, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I said, well, Freddie's nearly as good. Well, Freddie's nearly as good. And this year found out, yeah, you know, he's actually a lot better. I mean, in, in so many ways, he's a better player than either one of those guys. 
this is not taking anything away from them because they're all stellar players. I don't want don't want anybody thinking by I don't like Rizzo or I don't like Goldsmith because they're both great players. But Freddie's just just that notch above, and he he doesn't go into a slump unless he's hurt. That's that's really the first thing to understand. He doesn't slump unless he's hurt. If he's hurt, if he, if you see Freddie missing out you know, three or four or five or six games, and he's not doing something right. Something's wrong with him. Uh, now that doesn't mean he's going to stop playing and try to fix it. He's shown he'll try to play through, play through everything, including a broken wrist. But it's just his influence on the infield, his influence in the clubhouse, his influence when he's surrounded by kids. <laughs> you know, we think Freddie is being young, but you know, Freddie's third. He's got the guys around him are just a lot younger than him, except for you know, uh, guys like Mark Kakis who needs a cane and and, and guys like that. But but uh, he's he was the guy like Chipper towards the end. Uh, like Chipper, after all the um, all the big guns went out of the out of the uh, out of Braves after the early '90s, uh, Chipper was a guy that everybody come around and talk to, and and Freddie sat away, and it it speaks a lot to say those two are best friends, and uh, that they uh, that Freddie learned from him what to do and how to be there without stepping out and and being vocal about it. Freddie just comes in and people listen. And there's a difference to the, that coming in and screaming. Uh, so uh, I just think, you know, it, it's nice for quality players to be recognized. I, the Abreu uh, thing in the American League, we were talking about that before he came on. Fine player. I've always liked Jose Abreu. Uh, it's nice for him to get recognized. It's nice for Freeman to get recognized. It's nice that Ozuna came like sixth <laughs> in the league. Uh, and his numbers are really almost as good as, as, as Freeman's. Uh, if, so you look around and you say, well, what did Freddie do? Well, he came back uh, off of literally a deathbed and led the team to the seventh game of the NLCS, and you can't really do much better than that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, again, just so excited for Freddie see him get that award and uh, really happy for him, well-deserved. And, again, hopefully uh, we see him get that extension. And, you know, you make that comparison with Chipper. You know, Chipper got the MVP. Now all Freddie's missing is that World Series, you know, to kind of take his, his status to another level and possibly make him a, a Hall of Fame player. I, I think he's that good, and I think he has that chance. And, you know, Fred, I don't know your thoughts on that. Do you think, you know, Freddie has a chance at, at being in the Hall of Fame one day? But it really depends on how he holds up. Uh, over the next few years of his career, it's it's really really hard for a first baseman to get in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you look around, who's in the Hall of Fame? Well, uh, there's there's this Garrett guy. You know, it's really hard to get first baseman into the Hall of Fame, and the ones there are cut above everybody else. Now, Freddie is there now. What he needs to do is continue to do it for the next four or five years. If he does it for the next four or five years, then yeah, he's got a shot, real good shot at it. If he tails off, if he gets injured, as Alan pointed out, he's had these little injuries, not injuries as being injury prone. You know, he got hit in the rest of the baseball. Uh, he got the COVID thing, uh, the elbow injury. None of that's really uh, his fault. It's just as you get 31, 32, 33, and you're playing that 162-game grind every year, it wears your body down. And uh, I think he can get there. I don't think he's there yet. Um uh, if it was to stop today, no. But, you know, in four or five years, he continues to put up these 900. He hasn't had an OPS under, well, under 850, under 847. See, 840. Yeah, 897, 847, 841, 968, 989, 892. So he's always, he's above eight, eight, 
800 above 850. Uh, and he gets seems to be getting better every year. If he does three or four more years of that, then, yeah, he's there. Yeah, now just looking at baseball reference right now, Allen, and looking at, you know, war leaders for first base, and they have Freddie at about 38.5 war, and I think the, you know, probably cut off there for Hall of Fame first baseman's around 60, so he's still got about 20 more to go. But I think he definitely, you know, has a shot. Again, he's got the MVP now if he get the World Series, under his belt, and like Fred said, you know, have five, seven more years of, you know, 900 OPS seasons, I think he can get there. Let's look at the guy who's the prototypical not-quite-good-enough guy, which is Fred McGriff. First baseman, his uh, career war uh, on the baseball reference side is 56.1, so your 60 cutoff is pretty close there. He had 493 homers, 284 batting average, a career OPS plus of 134, okay? Now keep those numbers in mind. Freddie is at 240 homers in 11 years. McGriff played 19 seasons and got 493. So Freddie is a little bit under the pace of homers. He's not a homer guy as, as Fred Freddie was, Fred McGriff was per se, but uh, he's in the neighborhood in the, in the homers. Right now, Freeman's at 139 as uh, on his OPS plus again as compared to 134 for McGriff. So he's running right around that pace that that McGriff did. But Freddie played, Fred McGriff played all the way until he was about 40 years old. And I think uh, Freddie Freeman is going to have to do that kind of a, a, a pace, keep up what he's been doing. I don't know if it, it, it's hard to say it. It, whether standards are getting any more easy or or not uh, for getting into the Hall of Fame. Now that we're essentially out of the steroid era, it might be a little easier. I think this is something that certainly hurt McGriff, is, is that uh, he was, a by all accounts, a non-steroid guy in a steroid era, and not getting a couple of breaks in terms of the strike and a strike shortened season and a couple other things that uh, kept him away from 500 homers. I think that's kept him out of the Hall of Fame. So I, I I do think McGriff belongs, and I think that Freeman is on a pace that could get him there. But like like our Fred has said, too many Freds here today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if if we if he can hold up that kind of pace and and keep it maintain it which is one of the hallmarks of Hall of Famers, is is that they're consistently performing well for a long time in their career. And in, in fact, for first baseman in particular, you're going to need to do that because that's it is hard to get uh, in as a first baseman, and you're going to have to show that kind of a, a consistent record over a long period of time. So he's on that sort of glide path, but he's going to have to keep it up. And I... I, I dearly hope he does, of course, and I hope he does in a Braves uniform. I think that would help, certainly help him, too. But uh, it's something we're going to have to just watch and, and see how it develops, because I, I think it's going to be uh, close, a, yeah. as it is. Yeah. The last, no, excuse me. The last first baseman uh, admitted was Jeff Bagwell. Bagwell played 15 years. Um, he finished with 446 home runs. He had an OPS plus of 150. And uh, Bags never won. Never won a uh, a, um, a uh, MVP. World he won. Sorry, he, was, sorry. He, he was MVP and he was Rookie of the Year. 
was rookie huh. of the year in 91 and MVP in what, 94? And, but he, no World Series there. They, you know, like, they, they, uh, what, because they kept playing the Braves <laughs> postseason. Yeah, ran into the Braves and ran into the White Sox. Uh, the, uh, but, but, but Bags is the last, last first baseman to get in. And I think he paid 15 years, uh, well, 14 years actually, because one of those, he only played 30, 30 games or so. Uh, and I, that's 2,111 games. Freddie's at 1,386 games and, uh, like I said, an OPS plus of 139. He's got some climbing to do to get to Bagwell. But if he wins a World Series and he maybe picks up another MVP along the way, that'll do it, I think. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough for first baseman. Nobody, everybody thinks first base, and this is, teams do this. They take guys that, well, he can hit, uh, we'll let him stand at first base and catch balls. And that's what, first baseman will get a lot of respect. The Rodney Dangerfields of the game, the ones who rise above it, you know, they get recognized. But McGriff not being in is a sin. Uh, and I think you're right. I think if Freddie falls at least above McGriff or around McGriff and close to Bagwell, he gets in. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah, no, that's why uh, it pains me as well to not see Freddie get as many Gold Glove awards. Uh, he's got the one because I feel like he's been one of the best defensive first basemen in the league for a while. But just because he doesn't, you know, Gold Gloves obviously are based on notoriety, and he hasn't had that, and you know, he's been overlooked because um, I think that's something that could boost his his resume as well. You know, the other thing too is I don't know how voters are going to look at this season. Um, I mean, this was basically a little over a third of a season, and Freddie's having the best season of his career. You could have, you know, easily seen him hit another 20 home runs, drive in another 50 to 60 runs. You know, that's a lot of counting numbers, you know, off the board, you know, when it comes to the end of his career. You know, look, and you could say, man, if he just had 20 more home runs to get him, you know, 400 or 450 or whatever it may be at that point. So it's interesting to, to see, you know, how voters may handle this 2020 season and players, you know, who are playing during this during their prime as Freddie and, and others were. move on from that that topic for now <laughs> I want to kind of really switch gears here to uh, another topic that you know I, I don't know if it's Braves related or not but I feel like it's worth talking about is AJ Hinch and Alex Cora are, are both back in, in baseball as, as managers after sitting out a year Major League Baseball did nothing to Justin Turner for, for going back on the field and after the World Series after testing positive for COVID. And John Cappellella is still banned from baseball forever. Now, I'm not trying to back what, what Copy did. He, you know, he did what he did. And if that was the punishment that was needed for it, then, then good. But AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, they cheated the game and won World Series and profited from it. And they got a, a slap on the wrist for a year, and now they're back in baseball as managers. That just doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't seem fair. Major League Baseball just does not seem to have a handle on on what to do with, with punishments, and it just looks bad on them. I, I, I mean, it it really, you know, rubbed me the wrong way to, to see. You know, we all know they – handled the Astros situation poorly they all the players got a slap on the wrist the Astros are just so smug about it and and then just to see this it just it really had me irritated at Major League Baseball but Fred I'll I'll start with you you have any any thoughts on that 
Well, yeah, I have, I have, I have thoughts on that. Uh, I was thinking about just so, taking the rest of the podcast off. Yeah, and just, <laughs> just, yeah. Okay, I didn't really I, want to. I'm just, go I'm that, sum but, this yeah. up. Right. Jeff Lunau filed a suit, uh, suit against the uh, against the uh, Astros for for firing him because he let cheating go on and doesn't understand that the boss is in charge and the boss doesn't know he should have known. And if he doesn't know when something happens, he's still responsible for that. And we missed that. It was a baseball game. You know, when they do things that the manager doesn't know. No, that's not true. That is not true. And if the manager didn't know, then he gets fired for not knowing because he's too weak to manage a ball team. He may be great tactically, but if you're not in charge of the club, would Bobby Cox have known about that? How long would that have lasted with Bobby Cox? You know, long enough for somebody to go, I think this is an idea. You're fired. Get out of my clubhouse. That's how long that would have lasted. And A.J. Hinch saying, I didn't know. And Alex Cora, the guy who ran it under A.J. Hinch, didn't know. Um, I'm wondering who the heck knew. <laughs> if none of these guys knew what was going on, did it really happen? Well, maybe not. Maybe this was just a fantasy. The, these guys, they make me so mad. They go, well, you know, Hinch, he, he couldn't have done anything about it. Brian McCann couldn't have done anything about it. Yes, he could. If you can stand in front of a man at third base and not let him cross home plate because he pimped a home run, you can stand up in the clubhouse and say, guys, this is cheating, and if you don't stop it, I'm going to the league. I'm at the end of my career. I don't care who I make mad. Did McCann do that? No, he did not. Did any of the others do that? No, they did not. Fires wouldn't have done it if they had let him pitch the postseason. So I, you know, I got no sympathy for Hinch. I don't like Hinch. I don't trust Hinch any further than I can throw him. Uh, and if he lands on Alex Cora, it's good riddance both of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're we're at the same level of, of anger there. I just, I don't, I don't get it. It makes me want to hate the sport that I love to see the way they they handle this. And and again, I I'm not saying the the discipline for for copy was wrong. You know, maybe that was justified. But none of this seems to make sense with how Major League Baseball does this, and that's what's so frustrating. How do you not ban the manager who cheated a team out of a World Series? Like, ban him for life. If you're going to ban Copy for what he did, ban this guy for life. Ellen, I, I, I don't understand it. It, it may—I need to quit talking about it because it makes me—it makes me so angry. But I, I just don't get it. Well, you're giving me a shot at it, so it's going to still be bad for a while. It it came down to the way that MLB decided they had to get the information, and the I guess they concluded that the only way this was going to see the light of day at all was to essentially give immunity to just about everybody under the sun, and the only guys who didn't get the immunity were the guys who who got their year long punishment and. I, Copy got nailed for for life because he was uh, essentially, by all accounts, belligerent, uh, stonewalled the investigation, denied, denied, did not help, and essentially tried to hide the evidence and 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 was bad to his employees and and just did not have a, a good demeanor about the whole thing. That's that's the reality of that and and. You know, you can get forgiven a lot if you have a good attitude about things, and I guess that's part of the deal here, and that's why people are punished in different ways. It's it's not necessarily fair, it's not necessarily right, but it's the way of the world, unfortunately. And I, I don't like the way that the Astros thing came down either. I do think that, as a minimum, the World Series title should have been taken away from them. 
but instead that was laid on the table as one of the negotiating points for for cooperation. I would have liked to have seen them go go in and say, okay, we think this happened. We we kind of know this happened. We have video evidence of it happening. So we're going to take away your World Series title. If you don't want us to do other major sanctions, then you need to come clean with us. Something like that might have been better. I, I think that in general, if we had seen that happen, if we'd seen the trophy take it away, then fans would be a lot more comfortable with the outcome of everything. But as it is, now we see a a group of tainted guys, a, a front office that was out of control, uh, one that was taking advantage, exploiting the system, and doing it fairly brazenly, really. But if you lay them side by side, there's not really, frankly, a lot of difference between uh, what uh, Copy did and what uh, the Astros did, except for one little thing. The Astros did it in real games at the major league level, which is kind of the point of major league baseball. So to that extent, it's a lot worse than what happened with the Atlanta Braves, because what happened there only impacted a bunch of teenagers that really haven't amounted to much of anything. They were given a chance at pro contracts. Great. But... They, they, none of them have impacted a major league game. Well, yeah. I, on, on, in, to be fair, uh, a lot of what there was other things besides the the, the kids in South in Latin America. Uh, there this was is the true. Attempt, there, there was the attempt of bribery of of uh, players who were taking part in the draft, and and there were there were other allegations going on about him uh, attempting to subvert other teams' scouting and, and things like that. And the players he was signing were 13 and 12 years old or had agreements to sign were 13 and 12 years old. The one wasn't eligible to be signed until last year, and Coppy's been retired or been, been been banned for four years. That's how young the kid was. Right. So, you know, that's above and beyond that. And it's, a, it's, it's an apples and oranges thing, you know. Yeah, it, it is. And what we, what we've seen is that, uh, Latin America as a, a marketing, not marketing, a, a market for uh, obtaining players has been out of control, really. Yep. And they tried to make an example of the Boston Red Sox the year before, and yet, and, and really before that, the Yankees went out and probably did just about everything that uh, Copy had done as well. They signed all, basically all the top kids that year. Then the Red Sox came in and started uh, breaking the rules, they sort of threw the book at him, at them, and then Copy came along and and went even further, uh, which essentially had baseball thinking. I guess, boy, we really need to do something now because things are are out of control and they're getting worse, and nobody seems to be taking any of this seriously. So Copy's the one who got the book thrown at him. There's a lot of reasons. Uh, beyond that, obviously, we've talked about, but it it was a, a situation that needed to be brought back under control somehow, and it still really isn't that good. Uh, eventually, the the only thing that's going to be a solution is an international draft, and I don't know how they're going to get that uh, done and forced and and into uh, action, but. Uh, that that that's going to be a whole other topic for another day, I guess. But that's there's a lot of things going on there that still did not again impact a major league game like the Astros did, impacting several major league games, affecting careers of people who weren't playing for them. Uh, there was a whole litany of uh, pitchers who'd gotten. Uh, shelled and then were drummed down back to the miners after after that, uh, and they were victims of the the 
sign stealing schemes. So, uh, that's why I'm also livid about the way the Astros were treated and what they got away with. What the, what the, they didn't take the White Sox World Series title. The Reds World Series title when the White Sox threw the series in 1919. The White Sox or the Reds are still the 1919 World Champion. And, and, so that's true, but the Reds were not the reason. That doesn't I mean, make the any Reds, difference. They the Reds were they playing the game win. honestly. Yeah, but the other team was not. And, and it, it doesn't make any difference that the Reds are playing honestly if the other team wasn't playing. You know, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a fair fight that way. Uh, the, the title is just as tainted as the, as the Astros title because it was, the fix was in. Now, some of the players say they didn't do it, and that's another story, and I'm not saying either one should be taken away. Also, there is no, there is no authority under major league rules or in the Constitution for removal of a championship. And you can't just arbitrarily do that. Because it takes two thirds majority of the teams, they would not have gotten that. Does Commissioner still have the best interest of baseball clause uh, available to him? But he's still limited, he's still limited to what he can do under that clause. The Constitution limits him to, to certain amounts of money and certain things he can do. Uh, he can, he can ban people. He can do, put them on the, on the restricted, but he can't. There's no authorization in the Constitution or in the major league rules for removal of a title or for removal of an award. And that, that's something that, that doesn't exist. And everybody would like it to, but it doesn't. And you can't just arbitrarily go out and do those things because, uh, he would need the, the votes of all all the league, all the teams in the league, to do that, and he's not going to get that. Uh, and the union's going to go go high order on him, and you can't the, they can't give the money back. Oh yeah, there, there's that that aspect as well. But it, I mean, that's why they find him the maximum amount they could under the that uh, constitution of five million bucks, which yep. wasn't nearly enough to cover it. But I, I would be curious. I don't know if they actually tried to uh, pull the crowd on on removal of the title. My the information I recall is that they did not that they took that off the table fairly early and. And in my thinking, I, I certainly would have tried to do that and, and almost started with it because, I mean, they, they cheated. That's all there is to it. Uh, and that kind of thing should have a, a real penalty, and it really didn't, well, which is the whole point I, I of this think, discussion. Uh, I, I don't want to go down too much further uh, on this. I know I, I kind of got us off on a little bit of a tangent here. I just And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to say Cobby shouldn't have been banned for life. He, maybe he should have. I'm, and I understand why they couldn't ban the players for life. You just, that, that's too difficult to try to go through. And, and like Fred's saying, there's a lot of hoops you'd have to go through to, to even try to attempt something like that. But he had the opportunity to at least ban these managers for life, which I think they should have been, um, for their, their, their role in all of this. And, and he didn't, and he failed that. And now here we are and they're back managing Major League Baseball again. And it just, it makes me, me sad because I, I hate it for, for our sport, and Justin but, Turner got got his uh, got his moment of fame for kicking a baseball and then running out on the field and saying, "Gee whiz, I didn't know I was infecting everybody else. I'm so sorry." After the fact, <laughs> let's not go down the Turner rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, my my blood's boiling enough um, at at the moment here. On the upside, we have a we have a promoted uh, assistant general manager to uh, went to the Angels. Yeah, so that's the next bit of news here. I wanted to 
to mention is that the Braves did lose an assistant um, GM to the Angels, and I uh, was talking with with Fred before we started recording here. I'd honestly never even heard of the guy, and I'm trying to find his name now and can't. But um, Paul yeah, Manasian. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I knew I couldn't say the last name. So Perry Manasian. Perry Manasian. I like so, Perry Mason, except with a little lilt in it. Except he's Asian at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. He's a small Asian. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop We'll stop right there. That's uh, probably that, uh, another rabbit hole we don't want to go through. <laughs> yeah. But he goes to the Angels, and as I, you know, again, was talking to Fred beforehand, hopefully that's a good thing for the Angels. I, I want to see them do good things. You know, I don't really know what that means for the Braves front office. I don't know. Somebody will probably just get promoted within um, to that position, but the Braves do lose um, their assistant GM uh, to the Angels as he becomes the GM for the Angels. The other uh, bit of news this week is the Braves signed Josh Tomlin to a one-year deal for $1.5 million. Uh, I know um, me and Alan have both uh, kind of written on that since it happened, um, but Fred, what was what was your take on the signing? I'm laughing because I, f- I figure I know what you're going to say. But well, I, uh, I mean, I don't have anything against against Tomlin. I just thought one million. It's 1.2 million guaranteed because he gets a million this year. He has a 1.5 million uh, option for next year, and the buyout's 250k. So it's a guaranteed 1.225 million, uh, as I re- as I recall that. I don't have anything against Tomlin, but you know, you saw what happened to him at the end of the year. When when good batters got more than a look at him, and he's going to be a year older next year, and he's not going to be any better. And to me, there are other play, other pitchers out there that could have done that. Uh, but you know, he is what he is. He's going to be the mop up guy, the guy that comes in to give you two of these. Gee, I need a start, and and I can't get anybody from Gwinnett or whatever the heck we have the teams at next year. So uh, go get him, Josh. But he's no longer even a spot starter because his spot starts weren't good. Now, he has good points. I just thought with money being as tight as it is, uh, I mean, I guess the flip side of that is, gee, he's going to do that for a million dollars, and that's chump change today. I don't have anything against it. I just thought, well, you know, uh, I didn't think it was a good sign for the postseason because that sort of, if they if they're going dirt cheap, uh, and I know they'll, they won't say that, but if they're going dirt cheap, then eh, uh, that doesn't sound good for the rest of it. And and that's all that means. It's nothing against Tomlin. It's not that I don't think he can go out and do what he did this year a little worse because he's older. That's that. That's that's my whole point. Of it. Yeah, no, and, and I, I agree with that, but I also I think he was forced into a role he should have never had to be in. He is, he is not a spot starter. He's a guy that comes in when you're you're up by a lot or you're down by a lot to, to save your bullpen, and I think that's – uh, very valuable for a team over the course of a, a full season, a full regular season. So that's why I, I like Tomlin. I think he's been great uh, when he's been with the Braves. You know, two years ago especially, I thought he was, you know, an, an unsung hero for the team the way that he just came in uh, and pitched two innings through strikes, really didn't give up a lot of runs uh, and help, you know, save save the rest of our pitching staff. So I, I get the signing. I think they're signing him hoping that he doesn't have to make any more spot starts, that the rotation will be good enough next year that can put him back in, in his normal role in the bullpen where I think they uh, really like him. And, uh, you know, he's just a, a good mentor uh, for the, the young guys out there, you know, 
he, he possibly, you know, saved AJ Minter's career. Maybe that's a little dramatic to say, but, um, you know, seeing the results that, that he had this year and kind of praising Tomlin for that change. So I, I like the signing. I, I'm kind of with Fred too, though. I, I feel like there's other guys that could do it. Um, but I'm at 1.5 or whatever, you know, million dollars. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say that like it's chump change because I'd take it <laughs> in a heartbeat, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Alan, you know what I know you kind of wrote about it too, but what were your thoughts on the signing? It's it's the easy path to take because it was a guy who's already there, who's familiar with the team, familiar with the surroundings, familiar with the pitchers, the whole environment, and he was willing, the Braves were willing, and he fills a role. Uh so that's there's several things that the Braves need to do this off season. This was the easy thing for them to do. Much better to go with the devil you know than the devil you don't know. So why not? It doesn't hurt him. And if if he, his arm falls off or or something like that uh, in the spring, really no no big harm done. So I I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, you got to have a guy like this in your bullpen. Yeah, we we acknowledge that. Uh, could they have someone better? Yeah, probably. But. You'd, you'd uproot them from wherever they're at to, to come to Atlanta and time and time again, I see these guys move as free agents and they don't have a great first year, no matter what their role is. So let's, let's go with a guy who you know what you're going to get. And, and like say, if, uh, if he doesn't have to do any spot starts, I think the, the Braves would be better off for it. But, uh, it did catch my eye that, uh, his strikeouts were actually up this year, noticeably up, uh, highest of his career. And he was still maintaining his kind of the command that he has done throughout his career as well. So he's not all washed up. He just, you know, his, his ERA was higher. It was just under five. But again, that was, Partly because he was doing some more starts that he didn't, shouldn't have had to do. And hey, when you're pressed into emergency service, you, you go with your break glass, uh, emergency kind of guy. And that, that was the case here. So uh, again, if we, uh, see him in a, uh, long man role and innings eater, innings, uh, bullpen saver kind of role, I think he'll be fine. And a million bucks is not uh, too much to, to ask for that kind of thing. So, sure, let's let's just go with that and, and move on to the next task on the list that needs to be checked off. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was just the easy thing to do. Um, interesting. Which, note, makes Tyler, which makes Tyler Flowers the easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> that, that but I... Uh, actually, I do think Nick might be back on the bench, but uh, we'll we'll see how that goes too. <laughs> they don't sign Nick Marcagus and put him on the bench, Alan. You know this. He'll be. I know that, but they yeah, they should. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to get Marcagus back. They should make him a coach. Yeah, they're not going to get uh, Michael Brantley. It looks like uh, he, he's starting to look like he's going to be an Astro again. Yeah. So that that's unfortunate. Yeah, there's other players out there. Eddie Rosario is going to be non-tendered. Uh, he could do that job and, and, and just. That would be interesting. Yeah. He, I mean, you know, he's going to be seven, eight million and he's going to be non-tendered by the twins because, uh, they have outfielders coming up uh, that aren't that expensive. Rosario's big issue is he air conditioned the ballpark up there quite a bit, but he still, he does, he does hit a lot of bombs and he, he plays the perfect second, pl- uh, platoon to, uh, to Adam Duvall. Yeah. 
Uh, I want to go back to the bullpen for a second, and I wanted to note on Tomlin this year before he was moved to a spot starter, his ERA was one five nine. So um, you don't don't want to think that my boy is all washed up there. I'm a big Tomlin supporter <laughs> there if if he's in the right role. Like like Brett said though, once you see him an inning or you know a couple of innings, then yeah, um, he's not fooling anybody. Um, but what was surprising about that to me, you know, as I wrote in an article on TomahawkTakes.com, you know, is that they declined the option on Darren O'Day for, for 3.5 million, I think it was, and gave him a $500 buyout. And at that point, I said, okay, well, maybe they're just gonna, you know, save a, you know, couple million there and let some young guys, you know, fill out that bullpen, some pre-arb guys and, and cut money, you know, there. And then they come in and sign Tomlin. Um, a role that, again, seems like it could be filled by, you know, Enoa or any number of, of young guys who are pre-arbitration eligible. So that's where the move was, was more confusing for me than anything. Um, is the fact that they, you know, declined Darren O'Day's option and then went out and signed Tomlin. So I'm curious what this means for the bullpen, you know, going forward. I, I really thought they were going to go after. Mark Melanson and or Shane Green, you know, possibly both of them. Uh, cause I think it's important that they build that, that bullpen again, um, you know, to what it was this past year. Cause it was really a, a weapon for the Braves. Um, and, and I want them to, to have that weapon again. And the bullpen's already pretty, you know, getting kind of full with Will Smith and Chris Martin, AJ Minter, you know, Tyler Matzik, Jacob Webb. You know, possibly Grant Dayton. You know, now you got Josh Tomlin in there, and you got a host of young guys who could fill that out as well. So, uh, Fred, I'm curious your thoughts. What where you think they're going to go with this bullpen? Do you still think they're going to go after Melanson or Green or maybe somebody else? I I don't. I never thought they were going to sign Green again, and and that's just that's just what I saw the way that he was used. Um, I I always thought that the Green was going to walk. Uh, you know, I think if Melanson would come back for four million or something like that, the Braves might do that. I'm not sure he'll come back for that. Uh, I was surprised MLBCR had that as as what they thought he would get. Is like I think they had it at one or four, one or five million. That seems kind of low to me after the season he just had. But he's not he's not really a really a closure in the terms of a closure. Uh, he it, look you look at the number of clean innings he had. Uh, he was always the guy that. Uh, you know, uh, Earl Weaver would have been reaching for a pack of cigarettes about the time that Melanson went to the mound. <laughs> so, you, you know, uh, and I'm not running Melanson down. It's the kind of pitcher he is. He can only do what he does, and he does what he does very well. But, you know, I want a strikeout pitcher at the end, and Melanson isn't that guy. Uh, I was hoping that Will Smith is going to be that guy, and now I don't think he is either. Uh, so I'm not sure what they're going to do. I believe they will try to bring him back at a low end price, but uh, Alan was he, does he live in Colorado or somewhere out there out west? If Melanson, uh, yeah, Melanson. I, uh, I thought good question. I thought he I thought he lived in Colorado or or Utah or somewhere out there, and I, you know if, if they're going to pay him four million dollars, he'd probably rather pitch closer to home. I, I just. Uh, I, I wouldn't have any problem with him coming back at, at, a, at a low price, but I never thought they were going to bring Green, Green back. Of course, tomorrow they'll sign him for $10 million or something. But but but, uh, but I just I just never thought that he quite was what they expected. 
uh, and I don't know what that was because I really expected pretty much what he was. Uh, but I just think they're going to do that. There are, there are relievers out there to, to get, and we have, as, as Chick brought up, we've got these young guys that now have experience. And you get guys like Matzik, and you get Jacob, Jacob Webb up there, and you get, you know, you've got Yanoa out there, and you've got some other, got some other big arms down there, uh, and there's, there's people around to be traded for and things like that. Uh, I do think they need to get somebody, a, a Blake Trinan would be really nice. Uh, but uh, again, uh, I don't know that they're going to spend that kind of money in the bullpen. I think that they're going to try to fill the Ozuna hole. And then look and see what's left. Yeah, no, the, Alan, the free agent market for relievers out there is, is very good this offseason. Um, mm. and so I think there'll be plenty of arms available. Um, I mean, you got guys at the top there like Liam Hendricks, Kirby Yates, Brad Hand, Robert, Roberto Ozuna. I mean, Ken Giles, these are, these are all guys who have been top relievers that, and they're all available. And that's just kind of at the top. I mean, the reliever list is really 20. 30 deep of, of arms that have been good. They're obviously all um, getting kind of old now. They're all in their 30s. But there's guys out there to be had, and I think you can probably get them relatively cheap this offseason. Um, but I, I still think the Braves will look to to add another arm or two. You just mentioned Melanson and Green just because of the familiarity, like we talked about with Thompson. But there's probably – other guys out there that maybe they can get even cheaper who may even be the type of guy that Fred's talking about, you know, the, the power pitcher, the strikeout guy, because, yeah, Melanson's K for nine was 5.6 this year, I think probably the lowest of his career. So not typically what you're you're looking for at the back end of your bullpen and not really what you're looking for in the playoffs. When, you know, looked at the Dodgers coming out, they had, you know, guys throwing 100, guys who were striking out everybody. You know, that's kind of – the guy you're looking for at the back end of your bullpen, especially when it comes postseason time. Yeah, I wonder if uh, A.J. Minter might be in a position where they might want to try him out at closer uh, now after the season he just had. That, that'd be a bit of a leap, but it's it's certainly possible. Will Smith is, was hired, I think, to be that guy eventually, but uh, like like we said, Fred, Fred mentioned in particular that uh, – he took a clear step back in in this year, and I'm, I'm not sure that uh, the Braves are really going to quite get what they expected for for the money they're paying him. I think that on Darren O'Day, they may have gone to him and said, "Okay, we've got a three and a half million dollar option with you. How about if we call that like two million and 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 see if you want to take that instead?" And he must have said, "No, thanks." Uh, and if then they did, parted ways. That was a mistake. If he did, that was a mistake because, like like Jake said, there's a boatload of relievers out there, and he's essentially a rookie. I agree, but uh, and certainly the, the Braves were are trying to save some money, and I, I think they would have probably made him a, uh, an offer of some ilk. May have been a an offer that he just wasn't willing to accept. But uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, uh, next year is his uh, age thirty eight season. So in in his role, and we've called it more or less a rugi, uh, a three batter minimum rugi. It's probably not one that they were worried about uh, replacing. So they they let him in that three and a half million go. They give him the half million dollar buyout. I don't know what Melanson would, what it would take to resign Melanson. Really, um, he's up at at that kind of age as well. But 
I don't know. I think that uh, Shane Green has priced himself out of the market with the season he had, so I don't think he was going to be a target anyway. So you've you've now lost O'Day. You've lost maybe Melanson. You've probably letting Green go. So you're going to have to replace three guys in the bullpen. That's another reason why they went ahead and got uh, uh, Tomlin under contract because, again, he, it was easy to do. Uh, are they going to do uh, a... a Tender offer on Luke Jackson. There's there's another guy who's a possibility for leaving. So you you've got a lot of options there, and well, we got to get get started on uh, actually replacing some guys here. So I don't know if we're going to see that flurry now that uh, awards week is done in in baseball, and and see if we get some guys signed and under contract, but uh, I would certainly start with a bullpen because the starting pitching that we really need is going to be a lot harder than the bullpen, I think. So, yeah, the Braves are trying to save some money. Uh, I think they're trying to be very judicious about it, and the uh, the supply and demand in the bullpen is going to be a lot easier to do that with. So that that's what I think we're, we're headed for, is, is trying to do a budget bullpen, uh, that approximates what they had this year. Yeah, I think you hit on on something there, Alan. I mean, the the need for a starting pitcher and a, somebody to replace Ozuna is a lot bigger than the bullpen, obviously. Uh, and as we talked about, there's just going to be so many bullpen options out there. I think the Braves can kind of sit back now, uh, knowing they already have a good base for a bullpen, and kind of just see where the chips fall. And, you know, there's plenty of guys out there they can probably grab on two, $3 million one-year deals um, to, to plug in there to fill out the rest of the, the bullpen. Um, so I'm not too worried about it, but I, I do think they probably still need to go out there and get another veteran, um, arm or two to, to fill out the rest of the bullpen at some point, but not a, not a major need, not as big as the other needs that, that we mentioned. And frankly, I think that the draw for the Atlanta Braves in particular is going to be a lot, uh, easier to attract these guys than perhaps a lot of other teams. So uh, that may play into it as well. Yeah, so just kind of wrap things up here, Fred. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the off season? I think it's going to be a very slow off offseason. Um, we, we still have a lot of questions that need to be answered as far as, you know, the DH and the postseason, and I, I just really don't think we see a lot happen until those things are decided. Yeah, the uh, – I think you're going to see some movement once the non-tenders are out there. Uh, there's going to be, I, I believe you're going to see a lot of people looking at the non-tender guys like the Eddie Rosario's and the other guys who are just about really, just about really good. They have a really good niche. They fit in. And if you're a team like the Braves or, or the Padres, uh, maybe the Reds, the, the Mets, certainly. If you look around at the, at the non-tenders that are, that, that, you know, you can see going out there, you might see a lot of flurry of, of those guys picked up. A little bit. Um, I think you know. In the, I think you're going to see some minor league rule, some rule five guys picked up too. I don't know how how much that that's going to bring around, but you're going to see teams looking for that. And then there are people out there who are going to be trading players away because they need to dump the salary. And you know, if you look around, and I don't know who that is. I, I've done some preliminary stuff, but uh, I believe the article on how much money uh, the Braves lost <laughs> over the last. A 12 month period uh, is pretty sobering, and I, you know, I, again, 130 million is really optimistic, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe 120 now. Uh, 
And if you do that, uh, it depends on what you do. I think maybe you trade uh, and get, try to look for these guys that have contracts that you can afford, and maybe they need a maybe a Team X needs an AJ Mitter, and they've got a starter that's extra that's making two million more than they want to pay. I don't know who it is. I haven't done anything like that, but you're going to see that kind of maneuvering now. Cohen's going to spend money in New York. Um, Artie Moreno's probably going to spend money in California uh, because he's got a new GM and he's got Trout and he wants oh, another home, another World Series for Pujols and and all that. Uh, so I think he's going to spend money. There's pro- uh, but other in other teams, the Cubs are not going to spend a lot of money this year. Um, I don't think the Cardinals are going to spend money this year. So you sort of want to look around and you can point to the teams that are going to spend money. And what they need is is pretty much uh, the big name stuff. So I I just think probably slow. Uh, and the non tenders get settled in. Uh, a few of the uh, free agents, uh, the low end free agents, the Tomlins get picked up, and then it's going to be quiet until uh, what's Alan's used to say the first of February is going to be busy as the Dickens. Okay. So yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, and in case you haven't read the article Fred wrote a couple of days ago about the. Um, Atlanta Braves, you know, revenue losses. Uh, make sure that you go and check that out, out on TomahawkTake.com. Really in, insightful stuff. Um, it's kind of talking about where the Braves are going to be uh, spending-wise and how much they've lost the past year. Um, so make sure you go and check that out. But, um, Alan, what are, you know, your thoughts on, you know, free agency and, and how this offseason may play out? I think that you're going to see a lot of interest in deferred money again. This is going to be uh, an option for teams that are like the Braves, have aspirations on a World Series title, but they don't have a lot of financial flexibility anymore to do that as as the losses continue to mount. The idea that uh, you could maybe uh, defer some of these uh, contracts would at least enable to get players money, and that should be attractive to them because they may not be able to get it any other way and still uh, field a highly competitive team that way. Don't know how it's going to work for things like maybe a Freddie Freeman extension that may come into uh, uh, a clause like that as well. But that's sort of my hot take on how I think some of these teams are going to navigate the offseason. If you don't have a lot of resources, you got to figure out some way to do it while your window is still open. And by golly, the, the Atlanta Braves window is wide open for, for playoffs and continuing to, to be highly competitive. They need to do something in order to make this happen. I think a, a deferred compensation kind of a, an approach may, may help them. And it's not something they've traditionally done. For sure, uh, the Washington Nationals are the ones that are sort of the prototypes on that. But uh, I, I think it could help them in the future or help them in the present while mortgaging their future a little bit uh, that, that we may have to worry about later. But at least we might have a chance to hoist a trophy in the next couple of years if they do that. So that, that's what I'd like to see the Braves do uh, to, to navigate through these deep waters. But at the same time, yeah, I think it's going to be slow. I think it's going to be a lot of hand-wringing for a lot of people trying to figure out how in the world to, to accept monies that uh, they wouldn't ordinarily expect uh, at these levels. So we'll have to see what happens. But, uh, yeah, by February or so, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> there are going to be a couple hundred guys that still need to be signed. 
Yeah, no, I, I think we're all kind of in grieving there. It's going to be a little slow. I think we're going to see a lot of these easy Josh Tomlin signings, like we talked about, these, you know, less than, than $5 million signings that the teams just need to, to get something on the board to kind of fill out the roster. But I don't think we're going to see a lot of these big guys go, you know, for, for a while, maybe into December, January, um, you know, maybe even in February, like you've been talking about. But I think it's going to be a slow off season, slow winter for sure. I mean, we don't even know what next season is going to look like at this point. We don't know if fans are going to be allowed in the stand. So it's just hard for teams to, you know, make $20 million decisions when they don't know what next season looks like or, or how much revenue they can expect to, to not have, um, next year. So, uh, definitely going to be an interesting off season. Um, but still, uh, looking forward to it because like, like Alan said, the Braves are in the middle of this window now and, you know, really now, you know, now to probably 2025, you know, if the Braves don't win a World Series in that window, it's going to be quite disappointing um, with the players they have, the the favorable contracts they have on those guys. And this is assuming they extend Freddie Freeman through that. But if they do that, you essentially got Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna, Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Ian Anderson locked up, you know, through that 2025 window that I'm giving them. So uh it is an exciting offseason, you know, I think for the Braves just because they're in that window. I think they're still going to be, you know, one of the teams that are going to push for it um, when maybe a lot of other teams kind of will shy away from it after the financial losses of 2020. So, so I am excited to see, you know, what they do. I think there'll be bigger signings for the Braves this offseason than Josh Tomlin, um, even though he is he is my guy and I am glad that he's back uh with the Braves. But uh, I think there'll be, be bigger things ahead for them. But that'll do it for this uh edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. As always, we appreciate you uh tuning in and listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and make sure that you check out TomahawkTake.com for all the articles and daily content that we put out on the website. Uh, that'll do it for, for this time, and we'll talk to you next week. This, the 35th episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast about three Freds and the Rule Breakers, hey, there's a band name for you, has been a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are those of the participants alone. Minute Media disavows all of them. All rights reserved. Two of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These were pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Fig Leaf Rag and Spyglass. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTick.com. Thanks for putting up with us today, and we just hope that after this we're not banned for life. And assuming that's the case, we'll see you for the next inning. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done.